0: masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. In this six-episode series, we are spotlighting some of the most visionary business owners from Bracebridge, Ontario. If you haven't heard of Bracebridge, it's a very charming small town two hours north of Toronto, and it's filled with passionate, hardworking, and creative entrepreneurs. Today, I'm sitting down with Darren Smith, the owner and founder of Lake of Bays Brewing. The brewery started as an idea in his university apartment, and today, Lake of Bays Brewery is keeping Canadians thirst quenched with their incredible variety of craft beer. We love the off the grid hazy pale ale around our house. In this episode, Darren and I chat about the moment that the idea first hit to start the brewery and what happened after that, why they decided to break into the restaurant industry by launching the Huntsville Brew House and the Bracebridge Barrel House. Uh, how he finds balance as a busy founder of a company that now employs over 50 people and so much more. So enjoy this episode with Darren Smith, founder of Lake of Bay's Brewing, and be sure to share it tagging at LB underscore brewing or you can head to their website, lakeofbaysbrewing.ca. And of course, if you are planning a trip up to Bracebridge and you wanna do some prep work, head to visitthebridge.ca and you'll find all of the important details there. So let's dive into today's episode. (laughs) All right, Darren, let's dive in. Welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. We are so excited to sit down with you today and have had a chance to interview many of your fellow colleagues and entrepreneur friends in the town of Bracebridge. So it's a pleasure to be able to sit down with you. And today we're going to crack into the story of how Lake of Bay's Brewery came to be. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. So let's kick off with some rapid fire here. So where did you grow up and where do you live now? I grew up in Mississauga.
1: Um, my uh, both my parents are actually from the UK, so uh, so my sister and I are kind of first first generation Canadians, um, and uh, most of our family still actually lives over there. Um, so yeah, grew up in Mississauga, went to school in Montreal, um, lived in Baysville for a period of time when the brewery was first getting going, and then now uh, I live in Bracebridge with uh, with my wife and our two kids.
0: Hmm. Amazing. And the brewery, it actually started as an idea in your university apartment, right? So can you actually take us back to that time? Like, were you gunning to be an entrepreneur? Did you just love beer so much that you wanted to have a career in it? Like what was going through your mind and how did things come to be back then?
1: What was going through my
0: mind? (laughs) (laughs) Drinking. (laughs) Um...
1: No, I, I, well, it, it was a combination of the two, really. I mean, I, I would say I, I went off to university uh, thinking that I wanted to start my own business, but not knowing exactly what field I wanted to get into. And then it was while I was at school uh, in Montreal, um, doing a degree in economics, that this idea started to creep up on me that I might want to get into the beer business. Um, obviously, a, a you know pretty active uh, brew pub and microbrewery scene in, in Quebec. Uh, and in montreal so i was, you know i was going to my fair share of breweries uh, and um and yeah i, I guess the, the the idea of uh getting into a, a business where you had kind of a physical product at the end of the day that you could point to appeal to me um and you know so much manufacturing has kind of gone elsewhere um in in this country and uh, it was really interesting to see that here was a a, a kind of a, a Manufacturing type business, admittedly, kind of an artisanal manufacturing type business that that uh, that seemed to be going in the opposite direction. That it was, a, you know, it was a, an industry that was that was growing and and kind of by definition couldn't be outsourced or sent overseas because local is is part of the inherent nature of craft beer. Um, so uh, so yeah, I guess the idea kind of started to creep up on me, and then the the, the joke in the family was it was Christmas two thousand seven. Um, we'd we had a family cottage uh, just south of Baysville uh, since I was a little kid um, and uh, so knew the area well um, there was a, a property in Baysville that is now the brewery that uh, that had come on the market my parents had, had uh, bought it thinking they were just going to lease it to somebody else because uh, it was in a good location in town and so uh, my, my dad and I are having a beer of Christmas 2007 and uh, he's going oh, I just bought this commercial property I don't exactly know what I want to do with it and I'm going in a brewery I don't know where to put it <laughs> uh, and then you know we had a we had a couple more beers and then the light bulb kind of slowly flickered on That uh, oh <laughs> maybe maybe that could work so uh, um, yeah I guess um, I spent some time working uh, at uh, another brewery down in St. Catharines um, mm-hmm. when I was just starting to put the the business plan together for Lake of Abase Brewing uh, went back to school to finish my last year of my economics degree and, and started uh, brewing in my kitchen uh, in my university apartment, uh, I made friends with the brewmaster at the brew pub that was literally right across the road from from where I lived. So he uh, he gave me all sorts of pointers on uh, on being a better brewer. Um, and then uh, yeah, moved from uh, moved from Montreal directly to Baysville in uh, in two thousand nine and uh, and got right into it.
0: So, wow, uh, we I were- love that. What a like yeah. serendipitous moment too of you being like, I want to start my own brewery, and then your dad having that space where like he didn't know it was gonna be you to fill it, right? And then in that conversation, mm-hmm. I almost imagine the light bulb moment going off, like, oh, this could be a real thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just very, very cool to reflect on that. And at the time, like, had you decided that you wanted it to be in Baysville, or did you go there just because that's where you're dad had the space
1: um, so I wasn't fully decided on a location at that point but but I mean the more I thought about it the more um, you know the idea of, of putting a brewery in the Lake of Bays area or in Muskoka more generally kind of seemed to make sense um, you know at the time and it sounds funny now but you know at the time there were about 45 breweries in the province mm-hmm. um, there's over 400 um, but uh,
0: <laughs> you're an early um, adopter <laughs>
1: Yeah, which is funny because we've only been around for about eleven years, and we're you know one of the granddaddies in this industry. So, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, so I, I guess it, it felt like an opportunity to uh, to differentiate, essentially, uh, rather than locating in, in an urban center where there were a lot more breweries. Felt like it might be harder to stand out. Uh, you know, the thinking was, well, if you if you locate up here, you've got uh, uh, obviously a, a large number of people who come from all around the province. Uh, to this area every year uh, and that it could be an opportunity to build uh, a really great, loyal, local fan base, you know, some of whom would then kind of disperse themselves back across the province. And and hopefully if they liked our beer, they would, uh, you know, they would bring that with them um, uh. and, and seek it out where, where they lived as well. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I almost see that as like a really clever marketing strategy to situate yourself where you know there's a lot of people who come for a seasonal visit to their cottage and then you know that they're gonna head home to a totally different place at the end of the season and probably bring your beers back. So it's just kind of fun to think about like the multiplier effect that happens when you're in a a place where there are a lot of people who are just there for a few months or maybe even just a few weeks and then they have an alternative home. So they'll be going to their local beer stores saying, hey, I really want that beer that I used to get up in Baysville at my cottage. So it's actually very strategic yeah. yeah I mean, well, and that,
1: that that's, the, that's the theory, at least. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the theory. Think, Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think it is true in many instances. I mean, you know, and there may be other cases where where people, you know, buy us when, you know, we're kind of their cottage beer. They buy our beer when they're up here. But then, you know, especially given the, the number of breweries in the province now, you know, they we, we suspect that, you know, a lot of people may kind of have their their beer when I'm at home, and, and the beer that I drink when I'm here, and the beer that I drink when I'm there. But, but you, you know you hope you're kind of in their their stable of brands at least, where you know even if they're not at the cottage, they're you know they would still be open to you know open to picking your beer up every so often, even when they're back at home. Um, so uh, you know we're, uh, and and yeah, I mean you're you're, you're absolutely right. That's uh, you know being up here in terms of being able to just advertise and and kind of build your brand in a really focused way within a relatively small market. Uh, certainly a lot more controllable and and, and a lot more cost effective than, than trying to do a lot of mass advertising in, in larger centers. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it always starts with like a core group of loyal customers and it like mm-hmm. you have to please them first, the first hundred, the first thousand. And that's when mm-hmm. the word of mouth and the referral effect really starts to happen. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you are You're not uh, my cottage beer necessarily, but you're... uh, Every time my husband and I go up north, we do a big bike ride around Lake of Bays and lake of bay's brewing is at the halfway point so i have so many fond memories we go in there we enjoy a beer cool down a little bit and then we have another 50k to do after that so every time i sip on one of your guys beers i'm always thinking about our annual tour of the lake which is exhausting but it's so fun that we get to stop there halfway so lots of good memories associated with it Awesome. Um, so curious, did you have any idea? Cause you said you were something like the 40th or 45th craft brewery or microbrewery in Ontario, right?
1: Something around there. Yeah. Something I mean, around there.
0: Different. Yeah. Did you foresee how big the craft beer industry was about to get? Because like I said, you're kind of an early adopter of it. So I'm curious, like, did you have that entrepreneur brain where you see a trend and you're like, I'm jumping on this? Or did you not really think about that and more get into this out of passion?
1: I I would say it was, again, a mix of the two. Uh, you know, I'm definitely passionate about beer and, and it was a, a love for beer that that got me into doing this in the first place um, I definitely think I recognized as well that that um, craft beer was a was a growing trend um, I think you know yeah many people expected there to be some pretty significant growth in, in craft beer um, you know over over the course of the past several years that I think what What people, what most people probably didn't anticipate was just the sheer, the growth in the sheer number of breweries, um, where it's actually that growth rate has outstripped the growth rate of the marketplace, um, for quite a number of years now. Um, so it, it creates an interesting dynamic where, where, while the, the industry is growing, uh, while, you know, consumers might love that there's just this apparent, you know, infinite (laughs) assortment of of, of interesting beers to try as an individual operator within the space, it is actually getting harder and harder um, to grow your business, Uh, just because there are so many other people out there trying to do the exact same thing as you are. Mm. Um, So, you know, and it's it's been challenging enough having gotten into the industry where, you know, when we did, you know, I, I often wish that we'd gotten started about five years sooner, but that wouldn't <laughs> be possible because I was still 18, <laughs> so. Um, but, um, uh, but, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, there's, there's challenges to it right mm-hmm. now. And, and everybody is having to figure out um, what they are going to do to, to address it. And, you know, you think things that, um, you know, things that worked even two or three years ago you know, don't necessarily cut it anymore in terms of, you know, beer styles, marketing practices, even just the overall business strategy. Um, You know, the days of of being able to, I think the days of being able to, you know, start a brewery up and, and subsist entirely on uh, sales through what we would call wholesale channels, you know, LCDL beer store, grocery stores, bars and restaurants. I think those days are pretty much done. Uh, it's an important part of many breweries business, but trying to run your business just off of that, unless you had already built a, a lot of scale uh, in this space before uh, the real tidal wave of competition hit, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, unless you have very, very deep pockets to, to uh, you know, really do a, 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 a large amount of marketing activity, Yeah, um, you've got to figure out other pieces of the mix uh, that are going to round out your business.
0: Does that mean direct to consumer? Like, are you trying to speak directly to the buyer now, like someone like me? You're trying to reach me through Instagram mm-hmm. or email and get me to purchase directly from your brewery?
1: Yeah, yeah, so that, that's part of it. I mean, we, we launched an online store just over a year ago at the beginning mm-hmm. of the pandemic, which is actually I yeah, would be pretty pleased with. Awesome. Um, obviously, we're, we're in the brewpub business now as well. We've got the, the location in Huntsville and the, the one in Bracebridge. Um, we, uh, we're opening a, uh, beer garden, actually it's uh, live outside in Bracebridge uh, cool. this summer as well. We're just putting the finishing touches on that, um, which is, which is going to be really exciting. And then we've got the, the location in Bainesville as well, where we've been, uh, um, operating a retail store and kind of a smaller beer garden since, uh, since we opened essentially. But, uh, we are kind of looking at ways of stepping that up now as well. We've got a small food component there. Um, we increased our seating on the patio. Um, so you know, I think yeah, it, it's uh, and, and, and different breweries are doing different things. You know, some are some are getting into other types of beverages, like getting into cannabis or um, uh, or into seltzers or 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 T D or you know like that, uh, uh, coolers and things like that. Or um, you know, we've uh, we've gotten into doing even just some contract production as well. So we make we make beer for other breweries now uh kind of white labeling it essentially uh, breweries that might lack capacity to make all of their their own beer for themselves but so i, I think everybody is having to look around and figure out one or two other things that they're going to do in addition to <laughs> selling beer kind of through the established channels in order to in order to make things kind of work in an overall sense so mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think to a certain degree, like as business owners, that's like what we sign up for is always needing to identify opportunities because you're always trying Mm -hmm. to diversify and mitigate risk. And I think that's exactly what you're doing by being aware that it's no longer okay to just rely on this one channel of distribution, but there are many more opportunities, right? It's like, where are Mm -hmm. people drinking beer right now? Where are they buying their beer? Where do they want to be reached by a company like Lake of Bays? And then making sure that you have a presence there right so yeah I think it's just shifting spending patterns and it's almost like you have to act as a psychologist it's like where are people wanting to be talked to or reached with a marketing message
1: yeah yeah I mean well and then there's that perennial question of of how much diversification is too too much diversification you know like you you, need you need some some breadth but but that can be taken too far as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's not any one right answer to that question. I think you gotta you gotta figure out figure it out for your own organization as to what's gonna work.
0: Yeah, you so, have to yeah. kind of be like a scientist and keep experimenting. And I'm sure some experiments that, that, fail. And- <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then hopefully not blow anything up too badly. Right? So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, being that obviously the market, like I don't like the word saturated, but we'll call it "quote unquote" craft beer. It's a a busy place. Um, I'm curious mm-hmm. what makes Lake of Bays beer and what makes your brewery different when compared to all of the other 399 options across Ontario. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what it is that makes you guys really stand out? coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchased by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. This is the Visionary Life Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think, you know, the, the fair answer to it is that, you know, there are lots of breweries in Ontario that, that make good beer and yes. that market it as a good beer and yeah. do a good job serving your customers and things like that. You know, so, so, you know, I could, I could list off a whole bunch of characteristics that I think, you know, or things that I think we're good at, but that's not to say that nobody else is is also good at those things, you know? And, and I think, I think legitimate differentiation is, is, a real, real challenge within the craft beer space right now. I think that not like clearly not everybody is doing that is doing craft beer well. Um, you know, but there are enough people who are that even within that cohort, it's still, there's still a lot of people there, right? So I mean, what do we do well? I mean, I think we've 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 always done a good job of uh, making quality product very consistently. Uh, which I know historically has been one of the knocks against craft beer that, that, that sometimes it's, it's being uh, a little bit inconsistent from from batch to batch, or, or that just kind of basic elements of product quality haven't always haven't always been there, and that's something that I know in the past, kind of in previous waves of craft beer development, had actually turned consumers a- against craft beer uh, and back to some of the major brands because they they just wanted something that was a bit more kind of predictable, yeah. essentially reliable. Um, so, so we've always tried, you know, we, we've always tried to focus on that, uh, you know, over the past few years, um, and you know, particularly with the group pub's coming online, which has given us the ability to do some some really cool experimentation with the new products. I think we've um, moved ourselves a, a, a bit more to uh, the forefront in terms of what's going on with uh, with trends within within beer styles uh, for craft beer. Um, and uh, you know, trying to make sure that we're we're addressing uh, kind of what's um, uh, you know what's coming next uh, in in terms of uh, you know in terms of what people are looking for from a from a craft brewery. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then you know, then, then I think there's um, you know the, there's the element of just you know trying our best to do a good job of of, of servicing our portfolio of local market. Uh, which as I, as I said before you know is people who live here but also all of the people who come and, and visit here so between uh you know the the location in you know original location in baysville you know the two locations now in Huntsville and bracebridge uh and but even just you know being out in the community uh, and um you know whether it's whether it's events or supporting charitable causes or, or things like that just really you know trying to make sure that we're, we're out there um and uh and trying to connect with the people who who we ultimately depend on mm-hmm. um, so, uh, um, but you know, if I if I had if I had the answer as to as to how to you know really you know solidly unassailably differentiate yourself within the craft beer space, uh, I I probably wouldn't be sitting here. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: No, that would um, probably be like the keys to the kingdom, I guess. But you know, I think also no. like what makes you unique is things probably like your people. Like when I walk into the brewery in Baysville, like the staff are asking me if I want samples and like it's the entertainment on your patio. And it's maybe things that like you don't even see as the founder, but like your customers see it and they feel it. Like maybe it's the energy behind the whole operation.
1: Mm -hmm. well i mean yeah i i guess um i guess they say that culture is something that that's that is difficult to see from the inside right it's kind of just oh yeah um but i mean i i mean i like to think that we that we are a a welcoming uh business um both in terms of uh you know in terms of our people but 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 definitely also for our customers and and, uh Mm -hmm. um you know that that's uh we really do try to, to make sure that, uh, that people feel, uh, like we're, you know, we're, we're happy to, <laughs> we're happy to have them joining us. We, we really want them to have a good experience, uh, when they, when they, both when they come and see us at our physical outlets, but also when they're, when they're drinking their beer at home. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I really like about, uh, craft beer culture, and particularly, you know, the, from, from the early stages of, of, of the business is, Um, it, it, it has always been a a welcoming sort of industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, one where people kind of didn't tend to put on airs, um, uh, you know, it's tended to be a pretty down to earth, um, sort of place to be. And that's changing a a little bit now. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that, that our industry should really, really try not to lose. There's always the temptation to kind of veer off into, you know, snobbery (laughs) or, uh, um, or you know, telling people what style of beer they they ought to enjoy, or, or things like that. But uh, you know, ultimately, we we are here to uh, we're here to make people happy. <laughs> That's, uh, we, we briefly sold beer uh, down in the U.S. for for a couple of years, and uh, and, and that was what one, I remember. One of the distributors we dealt with down there basically said, "Yeah, we're in the we're in the happy business." Yeah. <laughs>
0: You in think beer, you're in and- the beer business, but you're actually in the happy business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I love so, that. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah. So, curious, uh, you've had a lot of growth and launched these new projects. So, in 2018, you launched your first ever restaurant, and that was the Huntsville Brew House. And mm. most recently, you also launched the Bracebridge Barrel House. Did I get that right? Yes. right. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. So, what was the vision behind adding this pillar to your distribution? Like you're getting now into the restaurant business, I guess. So, take us back to why you decided to launch those projects.
1: Well, basically, just felt that the brewing industry wasn't chaotic and risky enough already, so we should get into <laughs> restaurants too. <laughs>
0: Love it. Yeah, End the, of answer. The, the, the,
1: the, the two just cancel one another out. If you're already in one risky business and you just layer another one on top of it, then <laughs> I it love just makes that. everything better. So, okay, I'm yeah, going to apply yeah. that
0: strategy to my life now.
1: <laughs> um, so, no, it, it's, I guess it comes back to what I was saying before about how everybody has to, uh, has to, do a really good job of making and distributing beer, and also one or two other things as well. Um, so you know, and, and so we decided that getting into the brew pub business was one of the other things that that we were going to do. Um, and uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of uh, there's all sorts of reasons to to like it. I mean, it's a it's a, a great uh, venue to uh, to get people to introduce people to our brand or to or to maintain connection. Uh, uh, with the brand, um, it's uh, it's fun for for the customer to come in and, and feel like they've got you know they've almost got like a front row seat to uh, to our product development where they, they get to be the first to try you know new and exciting things that are um, you know that are being developed there um, you know but then uh, getting into it you know we realized as well that that uh, you know there's a there's a whole uh, you know there's a whole dimension. Uh, to it on the you know on the food side as well that's uh, you know obviously we came at it from from the you know from the angle of being a, a brewery and thinking about the beer but uh, you know that um the, the the food aspect of of the the brewpub operations has um has really blossomed um and and become a part that's actually just as important uh, to us now as as the uh, as the beer offering Mm-hmm. Um, and and you start to see all of the different really neat ways that that those two things can can go together, um, and in fact, I mean we we see you know we see lots of people coming into the, the brew pubs who may not may not even drink beer. You know they come in for the food and a glass of wine or something like that, and that's fine. Um, you know we just we're happy to have them there, just enjoying some time with us. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, so obviously we, we got got going with the location in Huntsville. We were we were really happy with how that was going. Um, got into constructing the location in Bracebridge. Um, everything seemed like it was going great, and then and then uh, the pandemic hit. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we had to finish constructing it kind of in the middle of all that. So it was it was a bit late getting open. Uh, we did get it open last last August. Um, to the extent that we've been able to have people inside the restaurant, we've been really pleased with it. And people seem to have been really happy with it. So I I think, you know, at this point, we're just kind of counting down the days until we can get people back inside there again, Mm -hmm. really appreciate all the support we've gotten in terms of takeout business and things like that. But I think both for the customer and for us, we really, you know, we want people in the restaurant, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that's, uh, um, that's where we think we can deliver the best experience for people. Um, And uh, so, yeah, looking, uh, looking forward to being able to start doing, uh, doing that again. So.
0: That's so cool. I mean, that is very just inspirational that you've launched, you know, not only one brew house in Huntsville, but now you're onto the second one. And I believe mm-hmm. these spaces are going to gather people in the best possible way post pandemic, because mm-hmm. I think we're craving that connection. We're craving just the experience of having good food on the table with friends, with good cocktails, drinks, beers, all that stuff. So I can imagine mm-hmm. that you will see a nice spike, and people will be so. Yeah ready for the experience that you guys deliver through the barrel house and through the brew house so very excited for you and do you anticipate launching more or are you kind of like okay let's let these couple restaurants run their course first or do you have other big projects in the works
1: I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple other things we're looking at right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, well, I guess that's kind of your job as the founder is to always be dreaming, right? Like literally, mm-hmm. you have to be thinking, "What's next?" and like, mm-hmm. why stop here, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you've got something that feels like it's working and, and you see other opportunities to kind of to kind of keep going with it, then then why not, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, uh, so yeah, we're, we're looking at a, a, a couple other couple other opportunities for next steps there. so uh, um,
0: so of course, like Lake of Bays is so much bigger than just you these days. So how big is your team right now and like walk us through like how, what was it like to grow a company beyond yourself?
1: Um, yeah, I mean that, that's that's probably been one of the one of the most rewarding and also one of the most challenging, parts of it. I mean, so when we first opened, it was, it was me and four people. Um, And now we've got a team of about 50, but I mean, once the restaurants get back up and running again properly, it's going to be close to a hundred when, uh, when you kind of put it all together. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's definitely being a a change where, you know, I, I know for myself, I feel bad sometimes where, you know, I, uh, I don't always get the chance to, to even you know to, to meet some people when they when they started the company they've been you know they've been working here for a month or something like that and then it's yeah. like oh my goodness uh, hello <laughs>
0: you know, like, yeah I've, I've,
1: I've seen your name I've never actually met you I'm sorry you know like it, it's uh um it, it's yeah it's definitely um it, it's definitely true that, that that the the dynamic changes as you end up with more people inside an organization and yeah. uh um you know yeah like it, I I feel like we're we're uh, we're getting to a good place um, in terms of our in terms of our team. That there's there's a, and even just kind of a, you know where we're at as an organization. You know, I think there's kind of this awkward teenage phase that a lot of companies go through, where you know you're 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 big enough to start needing to 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 do some of the things that, that bigger companies do. You know, like you 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 start to have that you know the need for somebody to cover off. HR functions and the need for you know good good people in charge of kind of all of the you know major verticals within the business and, and everything like that. But you don't always necessarily have um, have the budget or or even just the, the the team assembled or or the the just experience as an organization to to have everything kind of put together yet. And and so mm-hmm. um, you know I, I know I know for myself personally it, it you know it, it can feel a lot of the time like it, or it has felt, you know, a lot of the time over the years, like uh, you know, a situation of, of trying to put systems in place and just kind of the second you look away, something is blowing up, and and you know that you that you thought you had kind of <laughs> put someplace, and it's now you know blowing up and flying back in your face, and you and you need to catch it and and, and deal with it again. So it can it can turn into uh, just what feels like a lot of just like running on a treadmill to to try and keep things just working properly um yeah. and uh you know i, I feel like we've, we've really made you know we've made some progress on that in terms of just getting getting uh a, a lot of good people in place over the course of the, the past few years as well as making sure that we held on to uh you know good people who we've had since the beginning mm-hmm. um to you know to get to a point where we've we've got a team that's that i think is really starting to gel which is uh which is really nice to see
0: mm. so with so much to manage, like how do you find balance as kind of the the captain of this ship? Because obviously you need to take yourself out of the day-to-day operations, but I don't know if that comes naturally to you. So just like how are you finding balance as the leader of this very big mm-hmm. company?
1: Well, just you know, kind of closing my eyes and plugging my ears.
0: <laughs> yeah, just like ignore. Don't call me. My phone's off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Somehow I don't believe that.
1: <laughs> oh, no, uh, no. I mean, it, it's. It, I mean, it is a challenge. Uh, uh, particularly, you know, having uh, you know having kids now as well, where uh, you know you uh, you know. And I think that that is something I've, I've become more aware of even just over the course of the, the past year to a bit spending a lot more time at home This is just yeah you know you you, uh, you see the things that's that you're you know that you're missing in uh, or that you can miss in your personal life by just you know spending your your whole life kind of focused on on work and yeah. and, and you know I I I'd like to think I've I've always managed to do a, a pretty good job of you know not being one of those entrepreneurs who is literally just working like 80 hours a week. Like yeah. I I I'm I can recognize in myself when I need when I need to stop because I'm not actually getting anything more done. I'm just kind of like yep. trying to work, but I'm too tired and I'm just getting making myself frustrated and yep. I just need to stop and walk away and come back to it. Like mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think that the, the challenge is. You know walking away and still and, and then kind of being present in whatever else it is that you're trying to do you know whether it's spending time with your with your family or going and doing another activity or something like that yeah. it's right? like it can be really hard to not still be kind of at work even when you're not at work mm-hmm. um and so i you know i i don't i don't know that that there's any magic answer to that but apart from just spending spending more time you know running a business and getting used to the pressures of it and uh, you know yeah. i i know that i can look back at things that used to really stress me out or drive me crazy earlier in in, in our development as, as a business that just like do not bother me one bit anymore yeah. and um, you know and then of course there's new things <laughs> to to drive you crazy but you know I, I i think you get to a point where you you've you've seen enough and and, and been through enough um you start to gain some ability to to or some confidence that you know yeah there's there's always stuff flying around and coming out of nowhere and and and, and things like that but you know even if you you don't exactly know what the solution is going to be today you, you have a degree of confidence that you're going to be able to figure out a solution um mm-hmm. so that you can sl- you know you can sleep at night <laughs> mm-hmm. um because you know I think you know Needing to kind of see that there's a you know that, that there's a a pathway out of a, or a solution to every single problem that's in front of you today is just a recipe for for insanity. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, uh you know when you're when you're running a business like this, there's just you know there's just inherently so much uncertainty um, and uh, and so much going on that you get. I think it, and and I, I know like I, I'm I'm a bit of a detail freak and, and a bit of a perfectionist, and so I think you know that's that's probably one of the things that I've had to work on the most, uh, just on a personal level, is is being able to accept that you know there's going to be some messiness yeah. as, as we go along, and we'll clean it up and keep making things better, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. not to not to go crazy over it.
0: <laughs> Coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Have you been feeling a bit lost? Confused on your next steps? Curious about what it would be like to start an online business and work for yourself? Well, the Visionary Method is a seven-step framework and accountability system that will help you to start making money and stop procrastinating the life you're here to live. We've helped hundreds of people just like you to make their first 50,000 in their online business by packaging up the skill sets that they already have inside of them. So visit KelseyRiedel.com and click on the work with me tab. If you want to learn more, we would love to get on a call with you and see if the Visionary Method is the right fit for you. Again, KelseyRiedel.com. Just click the work with me tab and learn more about the visionary method. This is the visionary life podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. Well, and it's interesting because you say that uh, on your website, your philosophy is make great beer, run a down to earth business and have some fun while you're at it. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like, you know, that is what you are striving for with not working 24 seven and shutting down when you're hitting a wall. Like to me, that is down to earth. It's knowing that you are not. Superhuman. You can't just work 24 7 and hustle all of the time and expect to solve every problem instantly because this is life. Like, you know, we're living among many other factors, and life is too complex to just be so perfect as an entrepreneur and to just know everything Mm -hmm. and to work your way through every single problem. So I just think that, yeah, perfectly reflects on your business's philosophy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think if somebody tells you uh, tells you that they have all the answers or thinks they have all the answers, they're either they're either diluting themselves or lying. So
0: (laughs) yeah, they're definitely yeah one of the two. So I can appreciate (laughs) that. Um, obviously, there are many things that you need to learn as the leader of this company, and ob- always be kind of growing your own mindset in that. So, I'm curious: is there anything that you're trying to learn, or a skill that you're upgrading right now in order to become better?
1: Um. Yeah, in terms of the the business itself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, honestly, right now. <laughs> I feel like I am just kind of holding on with, with a bit of a white knuckle grip, and, and yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, it's um, you know I, I think um, and, and it's a combination of things. I mean, obviously, the, you know, dealing with the pandemic, there's has being just a, a a continuous need to you know tear tear apart plans, rebuild them. Okay. <laughs> this
0: speaking to your um, point, just holding on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. I wish I got a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Soon. Um, oh, okay, oh, here we go. Dexter gonna help me out. All right. So We gotta
0: we gotta guess. So this is
1: the, my son uh, Thomas's solution. When, when he thinks daddy's been working too much, he starts to bring me toys that can that can do the work for me so that I, I don't have to be on the computer anymore. So I love uh, it. So See this, this is down to earth. Dexter, <laughs> yeah, we have Dexter Digger and we also have uh, flip and tip Fred, the uh, the garbage truck. So there. The <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Perfectly, <laughs> perfectly explains your point of just needing to hold on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have like a like a one good answer to that question, except yeah. that I, I think um, I mean, Obviously, it's been it's been a trying, you know, sixteen months or so, uh, you know, both on the business side, but but then even personally, you know, trying to juggle schooling from home and everything like that, particularly over the course course of the past couple of months, when uh, you know all the uh, you know all the kids have obviously uh, obviously been home, and um, yep, uh, we uh, I guess we had. Uh, uh, we yeah. had a little girl just at the beginning of the pandemic. So luckily my, my wife was off on mat leave for, for 12 months, which made it a little bit easier to try and juggle things at home. And then she went back to work. And so then it's really been a juggling yeah. act over the course of the last couple of months. So, you know, I, I think it, it's now, I think what's been, what's been good coming out of that though, is it, I think I, um, I, it's, it's kind of being a forced exercise and learning not to sweat the small stuff, <laughs> um, a little bit, you know, and, and just. By, by necessity you, you you have to focus on you know the things that are critical to get done in order to get through each day and uh and also uh, you know i think a, a bit of an illustration of of uh, you know need the, of needing to kind of just take things day by day uh, yeah. a bit, you know both both in in, in a business and, and personal sense because uh, mm-hmm. you know we've we've uh, we've gotten burned a couple times during the pandemic you know trying to trying to you know make changes within our business or i mean that word pivot has been you know overused to to <laughs> an incredible degree during the pandemic but i mean you know we've we got hit with it a couple times where you, you you try to pivot to you know to do something new during the pandemic and then they change the rules yeah and you've just spent money and time and effort trying to um you know trying to make something happen within your business in response to to what the circumstances were and then you know it's uh so it, we've uh yeah, I mean, I think it's you know sometimes you you actually um, you know you, the 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 more the more you kind of flail around the yeah <laughs> uh, the the worse thing. yeah I don't know that I'm expressing this necessarily all that well but uh, no um, but
0: I think you've kind of nailed it like you almost just have mm-hmm. to sit back and like you know give yourself some grace and not try to make any like. Irrational pivots because we don't know. So you know, it's yeah, just the state yeah. of the world at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's it's tough because you know, I, I guess, yeah. It, when when you're in business, you, you tend to always want to do things. Yeah. You, you know, okay, something well, has happened. Well, then we need to we need to act. We need to do something in response to this. And and, and you know, at, at various points throughout the pandemic, it actually doing something has yeah. turned out to be worse than not doing anything <laughs> and and just accepting that this is how things are going to be for the next little while. Yeah. Um,
0: I think though that the entrepreneurial mindset, like it doesn't shut off. Like you can try to turn it Mm -hmm. down, but like your nature is like solve the problem. Let's go. Like be resourceful, figure it out. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to mute that because that's just baked into I think the entrepreneurial DNA. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely fascinating.
1: And normally that is the right way to do things. (laughs) You know, so it's
0: Yeah, in normal times.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know that, that. Yeah, what's the? I've heard heard a couple psychologists during the pandemic talk about this phrase, uh, this term, learned helplessness. You know, and it, and it feels a bit like that. Just like having to train yourself to, and, and maybe that's not exactly what it refers to, but but you know, it feels like an apt description for having to train yourself to just kind of sit here and go, well, we're closed for another two months, and that's that. <laughs>
0: You know? yep. Yeah. Learn helplessness. Yeah. Yep, Sit back yeah. and enjoy it, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so in wrapping this up, being that this is a spotlight on the town of Bracebridge, I'm curious, uh, why is it that you love the town of Bracebridge? Why did you decide to open the barrel house there?
1: Well, it, it, it just seemed like a natural fit. I mean, uh it's uh, you know, obviously one of the bigger communities within Muskoka. Geographically it's kind of central w- within the uh, within the region. Uh, I mean the, the town itself is you know is really great. It's got the, the historic downtown section, but then it's also got, you know, a really busy kind of commercial center. Um uh, a little bit away from there. That's actually where we ended up locating the barrel house, but um uh, I mean, you've got the you know the setting with the river coming right through town. It, you know, it accesses directly out onto onto Lake Muskoka. You've got you know a combination of uh, a solid year-round population base with obviously a, a lot of, of seasonal uh, traffic coming through as well. So it's just um, and uh, um, you know we, we saw that there was there was an opportunity to to put a brew pub here. That's uh, you know obviously there's other breweries in town, but nobody seemed to be doing kind of exactly that. Mm-hmm. So um, we thought we would uh, we would go for it. So um, we,
0: yeah, yeah. Love it. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of listeners of the podcast who aspire to start a business. Many of them live in smaller towns. So wondering, do you have any advice for someone looking to start or grow a business in a smaller town based on your own experience?
1: For sure. I mean, I, I think. Um, Yeah, probably the biggest single piece of advice would be, you know, don't um, don't discount, uh, you know, business opportunities in in smaller communities, Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, I mean, and and, and yes, you know, you've always got to have enough consumers within, you know, within whatever your catchment area is to be able to sustain your business. You still got to you still got to make sure you understand things like that. But, um, you know, there there can be this tendency. uh, to think that, you know, all the big business opportunities only occur in, in, you know, major cities or, or larger, larger urban centers. And it's like, mm, you know, thinking even just a, of the example of, uh, you know, of our business, you know, if you can be, you know, the only brew pub or one of just a handful of breweries in a smaller community mm-hmm. that can be just as good or better than being one of hundreds in a big city. Um, so, um, you know, the, there's, uh, just, just because you're located in a smaller community doesn't mean that your business will be, you know, condemned to being, you know, smaller than, than it could be if, if you were located someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes in, in smaller communities, there are these opportunities that come up where there's, there's just some really obvious niche that you can see being successfully um, kind of filled someplace else yeah. that just isn't being done in your community yet. And you've got the opportunity to be first in, you know, and and those types of of opportunities tend not to exist in larger centers, but they really can in smaller communities. Mm. And, you know, if you can be the first person doing it, then that that can actually put you in a a really strong position to have uh, a solid sustainable business. Um, So, you know, yeah, I I guess it would be just don't, uh, don't count yourself out um, would be my advice.
0: Awesome so if somebody is listening to this podcast and now they're craving beer they're craving a visit to the restaurants or the brew house or the barrel house uh where are all of the places they can find you and how should they stay connected to you guys
1: uh, for sure yeah so so we are so our beer is available at, across ontario uh through the lcdo the beer store uh most uh, licensed grocery stores uh and, the, and in bars and restaurants across the whole province uh, you can find our beer through our online store as well at Lakeabasebrewing.ca and uh, we will uh, we will ship anywhere in the province, and it typically gets there within a couple of days. Wow, um, so that's, that's kind of cool. Um, Very cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, free shipping on orders over seventy-five dollars. So if you order a case in a bit, then we'll, we'll ship it to you for free as well. So, um, and then in terms of uh, in terms of actually coming to visit us directly, so we've got the the original brewery, our main brewery in Baysville. Uh, we've got the Huntsville Brewhouse. Um, a brew pub, a 105 seat establishment up there. We've got the, uh, the Bracebridge Barrel House um, where we do our barrel aging program. That's a, about 140 seat uh, establishment there. Um, just this summer we're opening, like I mentioned earlier, the beer garden at Live Outside in Bracebridge, so right down by the water at, uh, at Live Outside, which is an outdoor adventure store. Um, and we uh, I think that's about it for now. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that oh, gives us a lot. lot. So we're doing, yeah, we're doing farmer's markets this year as well. they have just, uh, uh, they've, they've just opened that up to breweries. So uh, we are at the Bracebridge Farmer's Market every Saturday. Uh, and we're also going to be at the Port Carling Farmer's Market, I believe every Thursday uh, in July and August.
0: Oh, so, how cool yeah. is that? I love that you're doing the, the I want to say like the, not old school, but like just, yeah, like such a, fun experience to be at a farmer's market like connecting with people one-on-one outdoor in a more casual setting. Yeah
1: yeah it's, it's really neat I mean we, we've literally done one of them <laughs> thus far yeah. it was the, the Bracebridge Farmer's Market last weekend it went really well so so excited to see what can happen this summer but I, I mean um, cideries and I believe some wineries have been doing it for some time so yeah I've seen that yeah up the beer. so yeah yeah I think it's a it's a really exciting move
0: Oh, I know, the, the word I was looking for was grassroots. It's a very grassroots yeah. way to connect with people. But yeah. like the brands yeah. that I buy at farmers markets, I become like a raving fan because I'm always there talking mm-hmm. with the person behind the counter. And I don't know, it's just a, a great experience and it always keeps me coming back for more. So very yeah. cool. No,
1: absolutely, absolutely, awesome. yeah.
0: Well, Darren, thank you so much for sharing your story and for taking us behind the scenes of how Lake of Bay's Brewery started. And we can't wait to sip one of your awesome beers. My husband and I are big fans of the off the grid. So uh, that appears regularly in our fridge and there will probably be some cooling tonight. So thank you again and we wish you all of the best. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.